0: This is Restless, a postmortem on the young, restless, and reformed.
1: Welcome back to Restless, where we're going to keep telling the unauthorized and unsolicited version of the young, restless, and reformed story. I am your host, Matt, joined by Pastor Michael today. Um, we back are, again. We are back, back again, again, Matt. Here we are. Today uh, is going to be a different day for me as we are in the second part of telling our stories through the Young, Restless, and Reformed movement. So, Matt, uh, what we want to do now is we did a
0: deep dive into my personal psyche as I discovered and worked through the many cage stages of the Young, Restless, and Reformed. But now it is all about you. Oh or is it? We'll find out. Uh, so, Matt, tell us, how did you come to first think of yourself as a member of the young, restless, and reformed? Did you, did you start out this way? Uh, how did you grow up?
1: Well, that is a great question. Well, the year was 2009. Um, as, we, as we talked about last time, Uh, When we were telling your story, we talked a little bit about the things that were going on. Michael, would you like to hear a little bit about what was going on in the YRR in 2009, that very good year? I really do. I want to have that blast from the past. I actually, having done this research, I find it unsurprising that it is around this time you and I came in contact with this. This is is something, if you remember from listening to our previous episode— Michael and I have in common, uh, that while it was independent, we came into the Young, Restless, and Reform movement around the same time. So let me tell you a few of the things uh, we, we were coming in just at the tail end of. At the end of 2008, the ESV Study Bible was released, and the Reason for God by Timothy Keller was released, and the album Rebel by Lecrae was released, all at the end of 2008. 2009, if, if, if these are some of the things you remember, Here, here's maybe the, the most notable thing that kind of shook up the new Calvinist world at the time. Matt Chandler was diagnosed with uh, the the brain cancer he had that he recovered from later. And, and and this is the one I actually remember the most clearly. The Gospel Coalition held its second annual conference in Chicago, preaching through 2 Timothy, and it was called entrusted with the gospel.
0: I do still remember that. I still remember listening to some of those lectures from that conference. Yeah.
1: Um, This is also, um, for the purposes of our show, this is actually a, a, a great happenstance. 2009 is the year that Time magazine published its article saying that New Calvinism was one of the ideas changing the world right now. Uh, before we get into my story, Michael, do you want to hear just me list a few a few of the other very, maybe today very relevant ideas that were that were changing um, the, the world at the same time. Absolutely. What else was on that list? <laughs> well, I'll, I'll list a few and, and, and for the listeners, in case you're like, man, what, what kind of a podcast uh, could I start? I'm just gonna give you these ideas. You you guys are free to steal any of these other ideas and and look back on on uh, how they went. And 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 Ash, man, you're
0: really you are really building this up.
1: <laughs> well,
0: I have no. I actually have no idea where this is going
1: <laughs> and what this is going to uh, turn out to be. So this is exciting, Michael. I I just want you to tell me if you have literally any idea what these other things mean. <laughs> I. I have to imagine it's like what a like like what like a secular dude just, you know, in in most cities in America. Like if they were to look back at this list and they were to see new calendars, they'd be like, uh, what's that? oh Well, this is what they think. Yeah. All right. But, hit us with them. All right. Here's one recycling the suburbs. Reinstating the interstate. Amorality. <laughs> Africa. <laughs> this, this is a good one. Africa, a business destination. <laughs> um, the rent-a-country. So this is the li-
0: so this, this is, is the list, list this that is the new list. Calvinism
1: is a part of. Yes, biobanks, survival stores, jobs are the new assets and ecological intelligence. You know, audience, I actually don't even. I don't know if those are understandable enough for those to make good podcasting contact, even listing them.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I don't even know what they mean at this point, but I think that that's a good point. That is probably how most people would feel if you were like, Hey, have you ever heard of new Calvinism?
1: (laughs) Right. Right. And, but, but obviously that is not true for us, which is why we have stories to tell about new Calvinism and maybe you... Which is why we
0: are some of the few people, <laughs> maybe the only people in the world making a podcast in part based off of Time's 2009 list of what ideas are changing the world. That's right. We're
1: it. If if you are... Uh currently running a podcast called africa a business destination love to come on your show and and that would be a great crossover yep great crossover we uh we were both apparently relevant in 2009 and have fallen into (laughs) the same level of disrepute at this point all right well that was just a mess
0: (laughs) (laughs) so matt let's let's get into it then so it's 2009 Uh, a young matt klein is where what what are you doing? Mm-hmm. What what has brought you to the point where the YRR sounds appealing?
1: Yeah, just like you, I grew up in a uh, a, a Christian family. Um, my parents were both f- first generation Christians, right? So they were they were doing the the awesome and hard work of of forming a Christian family from the from the ground up, and I I have nothing but. Um, gratitude for them i was i was not reformed i think this this it's hard for me to emphasize this uh or calvinist or any of the words or any of these words right michael the midwest where you and i grew up i think it's i think it might be hard for some of our listeners who i imagine are going to be in the south um of the of the united states this is unheard of where we're from
0: oh yeah yeah I like we had never experienced anything
1: like this when we came into contact with it and 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 that might be why for so many people though though not so much for me, why John Piper becomes such an instrumental figure coming yeah. coming to the north the way he did, and so I grew up you know, and honestly, while I was in high school, I strayed from the lord i was I was not walking faithfully uh though my, my mom would tell you my spiritual birthday to give you a very evangelical thing, uh, was when I was, uh, was when I was five. And, and you know, while I, while I strayed, it was, it was never a, um, how do I want to say this? Yeah. It was never that I was like, oh, there's no God. It was, I want to do what I want to do. Those things aren't important to me. And I went to college, uh, far from where we grew up. I didn't own a vehicle. I didn't have a car. So the five-hour car drive to where I went to school basically made it impossible that I would be able to come back home frequently. And I went to the Iowa State University, um, who may uh, may have a decent football team for the first time in a long time this year. There, I can tell you, I didn't know a single person there. I went there and I and I went there because I wanted I wanted anonymity. I wanted to start over in in some ways. And and fortunately, I'm very thankful I got involved in a a college ministry and uh later a church which will come back into the story. And and like you, Michael, I you know, I met and again, it's like it's one of those things. I never you never want to say like, oh, I never knew Christians like this." No, it's it's that I was either I was a believer and I was in disobedience or I was lost, so I couldn't see it, right? I couldn't see what true Christian discipleship and community could look like. And I saw guys broken by their sin. I saw guys seeking accountability, seeking um, friendship, openness, and I was so impressed by it um, that I desired that freedom that I believed only Christ could give. And so I... And so this is, and, and, and this is a thing that is, is, is similar to your story. It's a time where God was working in my life in a powerful way, right? So
0: God is at work. Uh, he has brought you to this place where you are in some sense forced to start over or yep. make a, some kind of a clean break with what has come before uh, what then puts you—I mean, when you got there, is this college ministry? Is this a Reformed college ministry? Is this—I mean, what, what brings you into contact with
1: the, these kinds of ideas? Yeah. So, no, it was not a Reformed college ministry, though it at the time, um, though it was a, certainly a weak one, it had a, a official partnership with a Reformed church in in the community. But what happened was, like most kids, good kids in a college ministry— I wanted to do evangelism on a college campus. And so I was told, you know, I, I started doing it. I, my, I actually, uh, I saw some guys come to faith. It was, you know, it was a, again, like I said, God was at work in my life. But that summer, I decided to go to a camp where, I don't know what they told me we were going to learn, but probably something like, I don't know, what, what good buzzwords, Christian leadership, evangelism, missions, whatever, you know, all these kinds of words. Right. And this was a, uh, this was a get more commit. Really? This was a get more committed to the college ministry camp. Right. And I went with a few friends and it was a great time, but I just knew I was, I was going to be back home, um, in my hometown for the first time and, and spend months there. Right. I had not been back for any extended period of time, um, without a vehicle. And, and I just, I looked at one of the, the guys staffing this camp and I said, I need something to read. I need, I need, I want to grow in my faith, right? I, I, I said this in 2009 and he said, do I have a book for you? And he recommended I get a book called Death by Love by Reverend Mark Driscoll and Gary Breshears. Are you familiar with that book, Michael?
0: I I do not know that book. Wow. I honestly I'm not sure that I ever read uh any book by Driscoll. I listened to tons of his stuff, but I don't think I've read any of his books.
1: Oh man. This book I, I it's it's one of those books that it's like, man, if if that hadn't turned out differently, I'd probably still be recommending it. I'm also afraid to go back and reread it now.
0: Yes. <laughs> um as mm-hmm. with many things in our past, it's like, well, I better just not even open that door because it's probably way worse than I remember.
1: So, so I get home, you know, I'm in my hometown, um, and I I order on Amazon. Also, you know that that little startup back in 2009, they'd send you books. Um, they sent. I me- think that was probably
0: the first time I used Amazon too.
1: Yep. <laughs> Except so, I was buying board games. Yeah. They they sent me uh, uh Death by Love. And I started reading it, and one, I think just like you, I was immediately captured by the the, the reality um, of of the way a person was speaking about the death of Christ on the cross, right? I, like you, when, when God started working in my life, I just opened the Bible and started being like, well, this isn't what I thought it was, page after page, right? And I read... I began reading this book and I think as a young man one of the things that immediately attracted me to it was the introduction of this book though is a description of the the physicality of what would have occurred at the crucifixion. And it's intense. And it is not happy clappy and I and I think right that rawness, right? And 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 dare I say even that violence is probably attractive to a 19-year-old right and so i get through the first chapter and i am like I, I need to i need to read this and what the rest of the book is is it's connecting a christian doctrine to the cross so and it's written it's also written every chapter begins with a letter to someone so it's also a, so it's it's probably a combination of things it was ra- it was this rawness it was Christian doctrine applied to people in ways I'd never thought of in 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 horrible situations, right? None of this none of these nice these nice things and it's probably expiation or something, but it was like when you want revenge, how God deals with your the justice, the vengeance, right? And it was it was connecting all of these things. And so what this book did to me was the cross became this thing that again, the if I don't want to be critical of the, of the theology I grew up around, but I think it's safe to say I grew up understanding Jesus died to forgive me and we move on from there. Yeah. It was a, it, it, it's not that it wasn't a big deal. It was my ticket right. to heaven.
0: Right. It was a big deal. I, my, uh, my father tells a story of my grandma who grew up uh, Lutheran, and then uh, join an evangelical church later on in life, and uh, how she would sometimes ask the question, whatever happened to the blood? Hmm. In specifically speaking about how the cross is talked about in evangelical circles, whatever happened to Christ's blood? So that's just interesting. It is. It,
1: this is what gripped you, right? Yeah, so the, this is what the, gripped The me. cross. But, but one of the chapters of this book, I'm going to look it up to make sure I get it right. One of the chapters of this book was titled, Jesus's Unlimited, Limited Atonement. And I opened that chapter as totally ignorant of what's about to happen. And I read in that that section, Jesus died for a select group of people. I put that book down and I walked around the block. I was staying with my parents that night at dinner after finishing that chapter. I sat down and I asked them, do you believe Jesus only died to save a certain group of people? I was dumbfounded. I had never heard anything like that before. So this, this is a brand new idea. This is a brand new idea. And this broke everything. I thought I had figured out about Jesus death on the cross. This was the, Rethink what you think about the cross, and it and it was like and the and and I think the other thing that happened was in that chapter I don't remember correctly he references like Wayne Grudem John Piper so he references these names I've never paid attention to mind you but he's referencing these people that are like oh they're trusted teachers right like so I know this isn't just a crazy oh this guy gave me an accidentally heretical book right everything else is is solid, and this is is was shit was earth shaking to me. Now we will maybe someday we will do an episode on the four point four point five, uh Calvinists, uh four four point four and a half point Calvinists. That's what they are. But this 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 was the beginning. This is what shook everything, and that summer. Again, I had lots of time. I had sermons actually, that summer, Mark Driscoll was preaching through first and second peter and if you and if if that is something you remember, it's because you remember a sermon on husbands and wives where Mark Driscoll looked at the audience and accused the man of you might be looking at her right now, and you're gonna hit touch a woman hit a I I mean, you know. How dare you? <laughs> how, yeah. The how dare you sermon? The how dare you sermon, and I from that moment, just like you was, I mean, I was shaking in my boots listening to that sermon as a. It's probably a young man with struggles that young men are tend toward. I, I, you know, it was. Again, it was it was all these it was all these things we've talked about already, but there was a genuine. I felt the fear of God. I wanted to listen to people talk about the Bible. I stayed up late to do this. My introduction was was unadulterated Mark Driscoll. Um,
0: so how does that then? So you, I mean, you mentioned that you know he. He quotes in this book some of these other thinkers, leaders within the new Calvinist movement. But how does this kind of start to branch out into uh, not only you being surprised or like finding these things for the first time, but all of a sudden you're a part of it. Like all Mm -hmm. of a sudden you're in, like this is, you buy into these ideas.
1: Yeah. It's interesting that these these on-ramps they exist. They've they always existed. And this is what is so fascinating about New Calvinism, how all of us came in. My dad was a subscriber to Table Talk magazine for my entire life. I never once looked at it. He he once gave me a CD. He said, I think you'd appreciate these uh talks by RC Sproul. I never listened to them. Right. It and was all right there. It was, it was all right, right there, there the whole time. It was it was in the front packet of my dad's Bible case the whole time. And so, fortunately, at the time when I was getting involved, starting to listen to Driscoll, um, he was at the height of everybody wants to be his friend. So he had a blog on the Gospel Coalition. Everyone wanted to guest on his um now defunct website, The Resurgence. Do you remember the Resurgence? Yes. Oh, I remember the
0: Resurgence. I remember reading stuff from there. I don't in my mind I cannot remember him having a blog on the Gospel Coalition. I remember him being a part of the Gospel Coalition. But man, I can't even remember that.
1: And I'm sure I read it. That's the weird thing about it. And so he he spoke with so when someone would speak with him, you know, at a conference or something and it would catch my attention, I I would immediately Right, I would dive in. So, I got on an off ramp of Thule and Chavijan from that, Matt Chandler, um, uh, Tim Keller, um, you know, all all of these all of these different these different pastors that all came to different ends and listening for their book recommendations that I could tear through, and then they would rec- recommend things like read some Calvin. I'd be like, oh, that sounds hard. What um, is it that isn't that kind of old? Yeah, I, I think we got this right here, and and I bought I bought all the hype. You know, I looked on the website multiple times of Acts twenty nine of what the requirements to join them. Now, if you are an Acts twenty nine pastor and you'd like to come on the show, please do. Love to have you. We I,
0: I also at times did go onto their website and check. Okay, what does it take? What is it? What are they looking for?
1: And and and. And Driscoll at the time was willing to swim in a lot of circles, right? He interviewed and and spoke at um, a man who maybe I shouldn't name in the third episode of our podcast. Uh, a pastor by the name of Douglas Wilson's church went and spoke there. Uh, they had a friendly debate on the charismatic gifts. When I found out there were people who didn't believe those were still going, what a bunch uh <laughs> What a- oh, that was another another <laughs> rabbit hole for you.: Yep, another a- whole new world.: Yep, a whole new world. Um, but I also went to, this might be the closest thing of like a conference thing. I went to a conference where John Piper spoke. And so he gave a, you know, a, you know, as he was at the time, he was very interested in speaking to young people to recruit them uh, to the missions field, right? So he gave a stirring a stirring a stirring address um that year and it was it was great and again right so just slowly the the things I'm opening up to the the more uh and I'm becoming convinced over time. Whereas the only thing I would have known about Calvinism early on is is that I I was not one of those. But again, as I as my as my windows, as I opened up to all these things, I just yeah, I came to a different very different conclusions.
0: So, Matt, this is you. Your horizons are opened. You are experiencing all of these things, learning all of this stuff. Uh, what kind of a person did that make you to everyone else around you? And specifically, I want to know because you asked me and I didn't really have a good answer. But uh, what is your uh, most cringy cage stage Calvinist story that mm. you can give us?
1: Yeah. I am I am a man of convictions. <laughs> and I I think that means I am a man who likes to argue with with others and and so I no doubt I enjoy surprising people with these takes, right? Like hey, did you ever think Jesus maybe have died for a select group of people? Right? Like I, lo- I loved and maybe and again, don't know if that's a good personality trait, but I know that that's kind of who I am. Uh, you
0: liked the reaction that you could get out yeah. of people when they heard it for the first time, like when you heard it for the first time.
1: Exactly, and it's it's also one of the reasons, I, right? I like evangelism. I like, I like the 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 wake up call it is. But but again, this this was not <laughs> that. This was not the 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 good. Tell the the old old story again for us. Uh, and so I i i was i was a cage stagey cage stage i I certainly called groups of young adults doubted their salvation i i was i was i was mixing it up hard with everybody and i think i was one night i had a, i'd convinced a few friends they had kind of come along listening to sermons and it was great it was it was one of god's one of the good things that god has always kept a group of guys around me who are who are in some ways on a similar trajectory. So there's always some temperings. There's someone for me that I'm not destroying my friendship with to talk about these things too, right? But one night we were hanging out late uh, after after a Christian group, and we changed the lyrics of Jesus Loves Me to what we thought was a more appropriate Calvinist version called Jesus Elected Me. Oh man, that's rough. <laughs> I uh, I still remember the words. We we dreamed of the days when Sunday schools would sing such a song.
0: Would sing such a song. What's funny about that is here I am, a Reformed Presbyterian pastor, and in our uh, very common, you know, conservative Presbyterian Reformed hymnal, uh, we have "Jesus Loves Me." <laughs>
1: yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Who would have thought that that um, the 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 people who studiously put together the songber songbook of the the Presbyterian Church in America thought it was okay for kids to sing that song, yeah, and adults. They they didn't ask That's me. A, they didn't ask me. They did when not I was ask
0: 20. a young. They did not ask a young Matt Klein that had read more than
1: one book. <laughs> I, I had. I had. I. Oh man. Yeah. So that is got to be without a doubt the most cringe thing. I. I again, we. I will tell another time of my story to meeting Mark Driscoll. To my story of in Seattle, there. I, I I can only tell you, I just bought the hype. I bought the hype that we we were the the experience of how open and new the Bible and the world of Christianity felt to me. That is what was what was happening in evangelicalism. That was happening in the church in America. I, I bought in all the way. And we needed we needed cool music, we needed we needed good communicators and we needed to take it to the streets, right? Or to the so cool So what is it then? To the cool What population. is it
0: then that takes you from the top of this mountain, right? You are you've seen the light. You're all in. You have bought into the hype. What is the off ramp? What brings you into uh, a place where now, you know, how many years later, a decade later, you would say you're not in that place anymore? Mm-hmm. And you would n- not describe yourself as a new Calvinist? Mm-hmm.
1: I think the answer is one faithful Reformed pastor. I don't know if Tim Earhart uh, will ever listen to this, but if he does, I'd. I, I should just give that all that credit to him. I remember I was leading a Bible study uh, leading a, a prayer you know some prayer meetings and and he just asked me if if we could begin to to meet and I I agreed and he said, if we're going to meet, you need to come to the church I'm a pastor of which is sadly now defunct And I remember they're just I'll just go through the kind of the two conversations. I I think one, I was, I was meeting with him and I was like, I was just lamenting, you know, oh, there's these guys in my Bible study. And, you know, I just don't know if they're Christians or not. How, how am I supposed to figure that out? How am I supposed to know if they're Christians? And this pastor, he, uh, he looked at me and he said, well, you know, that's a really good question, Matthew. Um, do they believe the Apostles' Creed? What do you, do you think, do you think they believe that? And I looked at him and said, Well, I don't believe that. So, well, how does that help? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's such a good story. And 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 so he was like, Well, I was like, you know, I assumed that was a Roman Catholic thing. And it was right. And it was in that moment I realized I have no connection to the church that has existed outside of the last fifty years. For me it was the apostles and then The Dark Ages, Space Bar, Space Bar, Space Bar, Billy Graham, and now us. That was my understanding. And and I and I obviously I didn't know how to do it. I I mean I honestly I didn't know what to do with that. He was leading he began leading me through a Bible study of the book of Ephesians. Um and he was just doing it out of a Greek New Testament. And as we were meeting, the the church uh, had to close and he was called to a different church. And I asked him, I was like, I don't know what church to go to. So I had, you know, I'd went to the local mega church. That was a, that was a, that was a good church right in town that, you know, I would, I would say they were gospel believing. Um, I had a lot of friends going to a harvest vineyard church. They seemed to like, and, and he said, you know, this was, this was the only reformed church in town and I didn't know what to do. And he said there, you know, a lot of people are going to go to the, that vineyard church. Um, he's like, and I think they'd be fine. He said, but if you want a church that has any connection to the the, the church that has gone before. He said there is a good Lutheran church in town where I'd, I'd just recommend you go and try. And again I, I'm not going to tell the whole story, but that is where my wife and I became members of and it was an, it is a wonderful church um, and I don't know if they'll be listening but I'm nothing I have nothing but nothing. Mm-hmm. Nothing negative to say. Nothing but gratitude for everything in that church, and and around this time, Driscoll's sermons just they lost their luster for me. I I was still listening to other things, but the maybe the one figure that I'd been so attracted to. It felt like he had less to say to me now. The the shock jock, the you know the hour long sermons. Maybe as I graduated college and had a job right i didn't i didn't have time like i had at one point point. and so i i yeah moved on
0: so the grounding comes from one regular ordinary pastor
1: thanks for listening to me tell my story on restless please rate, review and share this show. You can start by sending it to any of your friends who are still acts 29 church planners. We'll see if I if I if I leave this in or not, but uh Jesus selected me. I didn't pick him, he picked me. His grace overcame my depravity. He died for sinners, but especially for me. Yes, Jesus elected me. Yes, Jesus elected me. Yes, Jesus elected me. He's never going to let me go. And uh, Oh, man.